Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. There's been loads happening around the leadership positions in English men's cricket this week. The county championship tables are beginning to take shape. There have been a number of talking points in the IPL too. I'm Yaz Rana and with me to cover that and more is former England batter Mark Butcher, the magazine editor of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Joe Harmon, and the editor-in-chief of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, Phil Walker. Let's start with the news and reports around what's going to happen to the England men's sides this summer and beyond. By the time this podcast comes out, Ben Stokes may well have already been named England's next test captain. Multiple outlets are reporting that he's the clear front runner for the role. England's new managing director of men's cricket, Rob Key, has stated his desire for the coaching job to be split between Red Bull and White Bull cricket. Those two jobs are currently being advertised. Nick Holt in The Telegraph is reporting that Gary Kirsten has been approached to be the new head coach of the test team. As you may recall, from a few months ago, Phil spoke to him and Kirsten at the time said that he would love to be involved. Holt also reports that one of Stokes's first moves as captain will be to bring back Stuart Broad and James Anderson into the test fold. Broad, according to Holt, came close to retiring and taking a gig at Sky. Had England won in the Caribbean and Root remained in the job, that would have become even more likely. Butch, it sounds like your good friend Rob Key has had a busy first week in the job. Don't suppose you've managed to rearrange those tea times yet? Well, has he ever, yeah. He, um, he's been in meet- wall-to-wall meetings all week, um, as you would expect, given that there are no uh, no current positions being held beyond his at the moment. So he's, he's going to have a few more weeks like that, I should think, coming up. Um, the only thing that's confirmed is that there will be the, the coaching job is going to be split. What's, yeah. your, what's your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I've I've been pretty public around my feeling that I don't I don't think that it's a good idea. I don't necessarily think that that is the, the road to, to great success, um, and that I still think that that one man, one voice should be the overall um, coach of, of both dressing rooms. 
um, albeit that that man would have to would have to delegate and have to have people who would um, you know would step into the breach from time to time when the when the workload gets gets ridiculous you know the the, the powers of delegation etc which 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 previous coaches have already done um, and, and the reason behind that is um, you know I, I I worry that human nature being what it is and with you know even though that the teams look like they're very very split at the moment there are still enough players who do move between the, between those dressing rooms that if inevitably you're going to find a situation where players will will enjoy one environment more than the other and that's never a good that's never a good starting place um so look i, I don't think it's necessary rob's been very very keen on it um, and for example the, the the one day side kind of looks after itself anyway um you know you you've got to even if owen morgan would have stepped down as captain which you know the the, the storm not the storm but the, the thoughts around him perhaps not earning his place in the T20 side going towards the, the, the World Cup on merit um, will get louder and louder if he doesn't start off well in the in, in the summertime. Even if he is no longer the man in charge, somebody like Josh Butler would come in and the thing would be very, very seamless. Um, having a high-profile coach for the T20 side, you kind of think, well, why? I don't see what the point of that. The test team is the one that seems to be more in need of looking after. But I would still argue that... A big name, a big personality is not what the t- what it needs at all. It needs somebody to sit in the background and make wise and 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 careful decisions around either personnel or some tactical decisions. But most of that should be down to the captain anyway, and to stay out the bloody way. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's not football. You don't need. It's not a management role. He's not sort of calling the shots. The captain still calls the shots. Um, you know, part of the issue with with the previous coaching setup was that the poor old Chris Silverwood had to do seven jobs in one um, that will not be the case under Rob Key won't let that happen but you know if he wants to split it and they find two people the ECB got the money clearly to pay two enormous salaries for, for, <laughs> for two guys then fair enough and, and the proof will be in the pudding as to how it, how it works out I just don't think it's necessary do you think that with the schedule now it's just so much harder to both than previously and also in terms of who you could possibly attract now, if you split the jobs, you can get a white ball coach who also has a gig in the IPL, which which must be a good thing at some point down the line. You mentioned Silverwood, and Silverwood was probably pretty burnt out by the end of his of his tenure, which was challenging anyway on the pitch, but also off the pitch in particular. And you know, it became a bit of a cliche towards the end, but he was living out of a suitcase for three hundred days a year. Uh, I think that combined with the increasing divergence between the two forms, plus as you say, the sort of saturation point of international cricket and how that ties into franchise domestic cricket as well and the really big dogs have fingers in lots of different pies, for sure. I think that, on balance, feeds into the, the rationale that, that, that Rob Key appears to, to be working to now. And uh, Personally, I, I understand it. I think in an absolutely ideal world, everything is coherent and all under one roof. But I, I think looking at the landscape now, it is so so mixed and so diverged that I can kind of understand the logic behind it, really. There are ego issues at work, that's though, my, sure. And that's, my, uh, that's always going to be my argument against it, because if you remember when the last time we had the split, you had one, one side of thing, you know, test, the test match team was very much the priority back in those days with, when Flower and Ashley Giles were sort of... And they were competing against each other for the, for the players that they wanted. Now, that, that's the fascinating that's, element that's, of this. Is, is the, <laughs> that's going to happen. Is the personalities... They, I don't think you can just choose each person their own right. They've got to be essentially a team, even if they're looking after different teams. 
they've got to have personalities that can actually work together. And that is going to be a really tricky thing for Rob yeah. Key, and if, Rob and Key it, to find. And if your job spec is to be ca- is, is to be coach of the of the white ball side, you're not really going to give too much of a stuff I am. So that this is well, you're the gonna, point. You're going to protect your own backyard, of aren't you? you are. when, yeah. Absolutely. It's human, that's, why I'm, that's why I said human nature in the beginning is that the, the two things eventually, without any question, will end up competing against one another. And one side will come out on top. One side will feel that they've been... Um, either sidelined or hard done by and, and the whole thing will be acrimonious as it was the last time we did it. Mm, I guess you you almost had that already with two different captains, right? If there was a feeling last summer that Joe Root wasn't getting what he wanted all the time uh, even though Morgan actually didn't have his best team that often either. So that, that kind of already exists. But, then, so and that's, that's, but that's a good example probably in, in favour of Butch's argument yeah. even though I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with it. Yeah. But the... Um, but that, there was an imbalance and that was partly down to the personalities, you could argue, in that Morgan ran the show to an extent that he basically got what he wanted. And that is not Root's personality in the same way. And the test side ended up suffering partly amongst many other factors as a result of that. So, you know, it, it didn't work with Giles and Flower because Flower clearly ran the show and the white ball stuff was an afterthought. They've got to somehow land on something which looks like an even balance. And, and you know, as Butch alludes to, that is going to be a tricky thing to do. I still think even though it's an imperfect solution, it's probably the best one just because the two things are so different now. And the schedule is just becoming more and more extreme. England literally play an ODI series between two test matches this summer. We had, had scenarios like that whereby, you know, you would, your sort of assistant coach or whatever. Don't forget that when you when you hire nowadays, when, when there is a coach hired, there is also an assistant coach hired and there'll be batting coaches, fielding coaches and all that kind of things. Are we saying that we're going to literally have two completely different Squads worth of right. squads worth of specialist coaches and assistant coaches as well. So if you if you double the the two men at the top, you then double the rest of them as well. Indeed, and that's, this is a good point. And so and, and so, so However, but my issue is is where where does it stop? And my other issue is is around actual actual cricket as opposed to personnel and, and, and management and all that kind of stuff. Is that is that I'm getting I argue until I'm blue in the face that that the two things, albeit they look as though they're completely different sports or different disciplines, they're not. The best players in the world and the best the best teams in the world have lots of players who are capable of transferring their skills between one and the other. We in England seem to have decided that you know you've got you've got Venus on one side and, and Mars on the other with the two sports. It's the same bloody game. It's just speeded yeah. up a bit. I, I, <laughs> I, I hear I hear all of that. Just going back to the idea about having two completely distinct coaching setups. Well. The, surely the cute and smart way would be to go to to, to Collingwood if Collingwood is looking like going to be the you know the, the next in line to be the, the the kind of assistant coach to Morgan in effect right of the 50 overside and 20 overside then he he could possibly double up he could dovetail as assistant coach to whoever takes the test job so there is that link between the two the two sides of it so that there's a degree of logic there possibly but the, the other thing that I would add on this whole question just before we move on is if it's going to be I don't know Kirsten or Ponting or Jai Wardner and they say I want the test job, but I don't want the lot. And on on the balance, Key thinks he has to be my man. Then you want that person properly au fait with four day cricket. You want you want them going out and really focusing on that and that alone. We had the problem with Bayliss when he said quite openly, "I don't really know who's scoring runs in county cricket." And I know that he had co- um, scouts here and there that was feeding information in. But if he's the one who's making the final decision, then you would want him really to have his eyeballs solely on white on red ball cricket. 
And I mean, that's where you, that's where the, the other job of, of selector is unbelievably important. The one, the one that was Indeed. decided was was not necessary anymore. I mean, yeah, that's, we don't, that, <laughs> just, you don't even have that yeah. as an option. I know. Alone. So, personnel. so that's that's that, you know that that's another that's another another job, another gig that's unbelievably important. And and, and again, you know, I, I'm not. I think back in back to to times gone by, you would have a selector and, and his selection team that would go around and would would feed all that information. There has to be a degree of trust between the people who have the roles to find the players and the people that pick them, because it, no matter how many head coaches you've got, no, those guys are going to be looking after their teams. They're not going to be running around the country looking at players. So there's always a degree of kind of you know I have to I have to have somebody that I have a working relationship with, somebody whose views and whose eye I trust when it comes to players, and and that's how it works. It's what it's how it's always worked. How do you go about finding a good selector with a coach? You've got a record of them coaching sides well, but with selection, there's not really that much to go off. No, there isn't. Um, you know, I mean, D- David Graveney, I think they all kind of learn on the job to a certain extent. I think the key to it really is to have somebody that's removed enough from dressing rooms and from current players to have any sort of, you know, to have any sort of, any sort of um, unconscious bias around, you know, the, t- the type of the people that he's picking or players and whatever. Somebody that's been in the game, someone's played it a lot and somebody who has a, who has a good eye for a player. Uh, and there are plenty of people like that around. Who are you know? A, a selector's job was never sort of a paid role in the past. Um, it was somebody that you know had, had done his service to the game and was kind of giving back and, and all the rest of it. Um, and, and there are lots and lots of people like that who have played in mountains and mountains of county cricket and Test match cricket who would be very good at that job. I mean, I think I think Ed Smith was kind of all right at it. I mean, he was sometimes a bit too he was sometimes a bit too clever for his own good. And his downfall was basically that he wouldn't remove himself from the dressing room. Stay miles away from there. Don't get anywhere near it. Go stay away. Not your job. Not your place. And that's what did for him in the end. Let's be honest. I mean, the best trait a selector can have is is having some good players to ch- select in the first place, yeah. and that that's the, that's the thing. And Graveney, Graveney ended up with a very positive uh, reputation as a selector eventually, but early days were pretty shocking, as we've discussed on this podcast previously. Jeff Miller gets a lot of credit, and I'm I'm sure rightly so in some aspects, but he he was just picking a lot of very very good players who are a really cohesive team. I think it's one of those jobs that. More than anything in, in cricket, really, because you've got so little control. You pick your team, you give them. I think you really are. Um, yeah, you, you have so little control there, and and that's why I think on this podcast, I think we were probably unfashionably quite positive about Ed Smith at the time, and I think recent history has shown that. Yeah, as Butch says, he he wasn't such a bad bad person at the role at all, apart from probably getting too involved with the players and maybe speaking a bit too openly to the press at times. Mm. Um, we talked a lot about the pros and cons of Stokes as captain, so I don't want to dwell on that too long. Uh, I guess it's interesting that Broad and Anderson sound like they're back in the frame, though these are only reports. I, I know we talked about how Key saw the logic in not taking them to the Caribbean, but I guess bringing them back is partly out of necessity, right? There aren't that many Zemers who are fit at the moment, and England haven't won many Test yeah, matches yeah, recently. Yeah, and, al- and also I think there was a lot of talk around the sense of this being the final moment, the, the valedictory end point of these two greats careers I never personally saw it like that necessarily I saw it as uh, a convoluted decision that Root had taken partly driven by his own determination to re-mark his territory and to re-establish his his authority possibly but also a sense of these are three test matches that are lower profile than I don't not necessarily agreeing with it but that was the logic 
and time maybe after the horrors of the ashes to try and take a breather and to start again a little bit and look at one or two others. I didn't think that was ever the final end point. And I was on this show saying that at the time. So it doesn't surprise me that the, the murmurs coming out are commonsensical ones. Uh, and it seems like we've had quite a common sense week by the sounds of it. You know, Stokes is the, is pound for pound probably the best option. Stokes pound for pound thinks I want my best team out. For a home, for a home series. Right he does. Absolutely. You don't, you don't want to start. You, I mean, I, I think back you don't, to another, you don't want to hand behind your back when you when you kick off. So, so you, another handover <laughs> of power when when NASA sort of took over from from Athens and the first, you know the, he was kind of landed with an an experimental team to go down to, to South Africa with, but he did have he did have Goff and he had Caddick and Atherton was still around, but there was kind of a lot of players who were never to be seen again after the end of that. And NASA, as he forged that that relationship with Duncan during the during the course of that tour, what happened afterwards? He went back. He went back to a lot of to to some grizzled, you know, to, to some sort of you know players who'd been around the block a little bit, gave them a little bit more agency in terms of in terms of you know saying, listen, we think you're the best players out there. We are going to stay together as a team. Don't worry about your place. Don't. It's not going to be how it was. And from there, started to build. Now, if Ben Stokes is clever. Ben Stokes is going to want to do a very similar thing. He's not going to want to put himself, put his head on the block, which is what you do as a captain, with a bunch of guys who are untried and untested, having had two or three years of lots of people untried and untested have all failed. He's going to look at it and go, well, I, I, I want to get off to, to a winning start here. And the way, the way that I, I'm able to make decisions from a position of strength is if we win. And the best chance of us winning is by picking two blokes who, who win a lot of test matches for England at home. Yeah. It's, it's by looking perhaps at some players who've had a go at test match cricket who are a little bit longer in the tooth um, with the bat who might give it, be able to, to consistently score some runs for us. It might not be the sexiest thing. The press won't like it particularly. Um, but but in, in order to try, and, to try and stop yourselves from being a side that's easy to push around and easy to beat, you have to make these decisions to shore it up. And if Ben's a smart man, that's what he will do. Just, just on um, on leadership roles as well. I, you discussed Stokes and what he'll bring to the captaincy and some of the concerns in quite a lot of depth last week. But one thing I haven't been, hasn't been talked about, and perhaps because there's so many roles up for grabs at the moment, is who will be his vice captain. And I think that's going to be really important in a way. You know, that role is not something that gets talked about very much for you know obvious reasons. But in this instance, with Stokes's fitness record as it is, um, and so much uncertainty around the personnel and the group in general. I think that's going to be fascinating to see who they go with. And it might be an olive branch to Broad to make him vice-captain, not long-term, but for the summer, as a way of bringing this all back together. If he's going to be in the squad anyway, I think that might be quite a sensible move. Then, obviously, that doesn't, does open it up to the fact that, you know, Stokes does a hamstring or his knee goes again. We've suddenly got Stuart Broad, England test-captain, which I think we've all got this kind of curiosity to see to see how that, how that plays out. Another possible name to throw out there, Stokes thinks the world of Joss Butler. Will he want Joss Butler back in alongside him as a vice captain in that in that test side? Lots of people say he sh- shouldn't be in that team at all, let alone be vice captain. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Stokes does want does want Butler alongside him. Mm. Stokes, Stokes and Broad would be kind of like a, a weird coalition government in charge. It knowledge. would. It would have that <laughs> in the rose garden. Yeah. At Lord's. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it got very toxic as well around the Broad and Anderson question. I mean, everything's toxic these days anyway, but definitely, and this won't be in his thinking, but it would be good, uh, unwittingly, it would be good PR as well, right, to, to give the, the message that everybody's 
everybody's pickable, everybody's selectable, everybody's on the table, there are no agendas anymore, this is a clean slate. And that would be useful, I think, to convey that, not just to the game, but to the, the punters, the punters who follow it. Because there's, there's been this, this kind of dark edge around the England team for too long and, and, and there is now that sense, okay, this is a sort of glasnost period, if you like. We're starting from scratch, we're opening everything up again uh, and it would be a really bad start if Stokes were to, to already be saying in the background, I don't want him, but I do want him and I don't want him and I do want him. That's just not the way to start. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The County Championship. Been another really good week for batters. A few huge innings wins. Lancashire's test-class attack of Anderson, Mahmood, Hassan Ali and Matt Bogson forced a win on a pretty flat one at Old Trafford. Hassan Ali took nine in the match. Josh Bohannon's got a double ton for Lancashire. He now averages 47.5 in first-class cricket. Not he many plays, of them about. He? he plays, you would think, that first-class well, match. I think there are a lot, lots of young-ish batters doing pretty well at the moment. Just go. Um, yeah, Harry Brook. P- well, pitches are just too flat in county cricket, aren't they? <laughs> no, pitches <laughs> are fantastic. I, I am that's exactly, that, I exactly am the way we want to see cricket matches being won. Um, yeah. By bowlers having to work bloody hard to take the wickets, batters scoring runs. It's, that's good. Mm. I, I think I said it last week. But I'm I taking it, credit for it, by the way, as well. Absolutely. It's squarely <laughs> on you. Um, brilliant pitch here again, second week in a row at the Oval. Yeah. Pace, bounce, bit of green, carry, Folks taking it with his gloves up, you know, everything was good about that pitch. And good a great players, game. scored good runs, good quicks, took good wickets. And, yeah, and a great game, which yeah. is no, yeah, no surprise. There's, an, there's another good game for Harry Brook. He scored 84 and 77 not out, but that wasn't enough for Yorkshire to claim victory over North Ants. There was a maiden 100 for Yorkshire's 21-year-old number three, George Hill. North Ants' new keeper, Bat, Lewis McManus, batted for over three hours to help them at the end. I think Harry Brook... I think there's a good chance he plays the first test of the summer because he is such a good white ball cricketer that I don't think he goes another summer without getting an IPL gig. So he won't get this stint at the start, this eight-game stint at the start of the summer ever again. Uh, And I think England possibly need to make a decision one way or the other with him. And he's got off to a brilliant start. And yeah, I think think he just looks so good. A bit of of IPL blackmail. Pick me Mm. or I'll go. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I think there's a reason he's good though I mean he's, 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 a, he's a damn good player he is I uh, guess the one maybe advantage that Bohannon might have over Brook is that he's more of a number three and a half four whereas Brook's maybe more of a four and a half five and obviously that's where England's misfiring engine room is at least spluttering along at not too badly you know in that middle order rather than that top to middle order but yeah I mean you can, you can take your pick on either of them really Phil, your moment of the week is from the Surrey-Somerset game. Yeah, just going back to 
good quicks taking good wickets. Well, Jamie Overton, who I mentioned actually last week, I think briefly, um, re- slightly remodeled run up in particular. Looks like a transformed bowler. Really, he's not had had a great time of it at the Oval since he moved. As am I mood. Yeah, well, he's done a he's, lot of work with him. Yeah, this is what I gather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's really paying off. Now, I was here on the Saturday, which was day three, and he bowled. Did you see any of it, Mark? He bowled a seriously fast, test match fast spell. And folk, he was bowling it from the pavilion end. Folks were standing a good pitch and a bit back. And he was taking it, as I said earlier, in front of his face. Anyway, he worked out, worked out Matt Renshaw. He's a very fine player, the left-handed Aussie. Um, he's made good runs in county cricket, made test hundreds. And he worked him out in a stunning little little mini passage Um Generally, just moving away from the left-hander, across, across him, across him, across him, a couple of short ones. And then he got this stunning banana ball to come back, just bowling right arm over, but coming, coming back on the angle, against the natural angle, swinging late into his off stump. And he'd left it like any self-respecting lefty would. And it's arced back, taking his off stump out the ground. Uh, and it, it precipitated Surrey taking, Reese Topley came on, took three Wickets in seven deliveries, I think, changed the direction of that game. It was a big game at the top and the bottom of the table, and Somerset are now really languishing. Their their their, their bottom, comfortably bottom, uh, and Surrey are now top. You know, so again, county cricket it has its good days, it has its less good days. That was a good day. There was quality from t- start to finish. Tom, Tom Abel well. made 150 yeah. not out, and then was cruising with 50 on the second innings until he nibbled at one outside off stump. But again. It was it was a very watchable game game of cricket, and I saw a lot of it. There was three or four thousand here playing on the outfield at, at lunchtime as well. Uh, it was just it was just good. It was good stuff. And in Jamie Overton, look, I'm not saying he, he plays for England this year at all, but uh, if that is a county bowler, then turn up and watch it. Reese Topley at the other end, six foot five, bowling 83, 84, probably. Swinging it late with a with a ball forty overs old and changing the direction of the game. There was a lot of good cricket on that on on display in that in that game. And Surrey limped home or not limped home, got home the day after by three wickets. Ramatel hundred as well. He's looking good. Very very fine season. player. Yeah. Um, good cricket. Hampshire thumped Kent at Canterbury. There were hundreds for James Vince, Liam Dawson, and Ben Brown there. Um, I was there for day three, and there's quite an interesting comment from Kent's bowling coach. Simon Cook at the end of play, talk, you know, obviously loads of runs at the start of the season. And he said that part of it is because pitches have gone from not necessarily one extreme to another, but they've gone from one extreme to how pitches probably should be. So you've got a lot of young bowlers who don't actually have that much experience bowling on flat wickets. So they haven't got experience of needing to bowl dry because in the recent past, they've just had to, you know, bowl full stump. Get it somewhere and, close. And, and yeah, the, the ball will do a lot. And he was saying that, you know, this is, part of a learning curve for a lot for a lot of young bowlers at the moment um so that's quite interesting I thought Ben Brown looks looked very good he's had a very good start to the season since he joined from Sussex just just a word on that Vince Innings 100 not out from 100 balls with 18 fours I was watching it on a little little bit on my laptop but watching the main game here at the Oval I mean that's just a dream isn't it it's not from 92 balls or 108 balls it's from 100 balls 18 fours. So is he playing the Two first test half, as well? Half, three hours. He, well, he's, he's playing every game from here to you got, you got the end of time, as well you know. Getting quite a packed top six at this rate. <laughs> play them all. Play them all. Um, I enjoyed watching, we'll, we'll play an interview with Ben Compton slightly later in the show, but I enjoyed watching Ben Compton. Uh, he's obviously 
got loads of runs at the start of the, the, the season. But when you see someone on the scorecard score quite slowly, you, you kind of paint a picture of them in your head. Um, also, he, his own quotes. He yeah. said, if I'm doing my job, I'm boring people to exactly, tears. Exactly. <laughs> but he, 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 he looks good. He was very, he's like a very... You don't want to advertise that. You get, you get <laughs> dropped for doing that in the England team. He just looked very comfortable against Abbas and Abbott when they were bowling well and taking wickets the other end. He looked very, very confident. Um, so yeah, he got he got runs again, but in defeat. Warwick should beat Essex by 10 wickets. Uh, Michael Burgess, who we've not talked about on the show for a while, but perhaps ever, uh, scored his second 170 of the summer. Oliver Hannon Dorby hit, I think, one of the great one of the great noughts, arguably the best ever. He was carded to bat in at number eleven, and he came in when Liam Norwell was hit on the head and had to retire hurt. He batted for an hour to accompany Burgess, but more crucially, for long enough for Craig Miles, Norwell's concussion sub, to drive to the ground, get changed, pad up, and come in <laughs> after him. Oh, and you've that, gotta love and that's that, good. That and that's that good. in the end was worth. 95 runs well that's so, now that's, that's now my moment. moment that's that, now my yeah. moment of the week <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant just 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 in brackets my weekly Dan Lawrence he's torn a hamstring Lawrence won't be playing this week may not be playing for a while I don't know the ins and outs of it but again going back to that England top six he's, he's slow start for him as well you know he's up against it if he's gonna gonna try and make that first first test squad so we had a question from one listener Pete he asked should England be looking to call up Vince and or Duckett who both start the season well um and I guess it's interesting that this summer is the start of this summer is very different to the last few county seasons where you're not actually there aren't that many batters who are scoring that many runs. Whereas now you have loads of batsmen scoring runs. So you then wonder what about what happens to the incumbents who are just doing okay. So Lawrence hasn't had a bad start to the season, but he's not got a standout. Also, score. incumbent in the current climate means nothing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. That's, um, I don't. I do not think you. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> indeed. And, and also, with like Zach Crawley, he's just done. He's not done badly. But he's just done fine. Will that be enough when there are fifteen guys averaging sixty? I don't know. I think that'd be quite interesting. Um, I guess it's just quite hard to say. But, I mean, that's great, though. I mean, that's again, that's where that's where sort of the the, the Aussie sort of battalions of, of batters in the past, because they knew that if you if you missed out, if you didn't take the make the most of your opportunities in the test team, there were seven, eight, nine, ten blokes averaging sixty waiting to take your place, and that's and that's a really good place to be in. One of the you know one of the issues perhaps with the England team, and this doesn't come into play when you're out there batting for sure, but you kind of think to yourself, well, I've been picked and I've done okay and I'm doing all right. You know, I'm making my 40s and I've, you know, I've made the odd contribution here and there. And you're not really under any pressure from below. And it kind of, you know, there isn't that same, that same sort of laser-eyed focus that there needs to be, that, that, that this is really important that you make every time you go out there count. Joe, what's your moment of the week? Uh, mine is the Mickey Arthur revolution at Derbyshire, which is gathering pace. Uh, that's what we're all talking about, Joe. They have only... Well, we don't talk about Derbyshire enough, Phil. Um, so we're going to do this week. Uh, they have only won one match, but that is as many as they won in the whole of last year. They've also got a couple of creditable draws. Uh, there are loads of interesting personnel signings over the winter, but I thought Mickey Arthur going to Derbyshire was right up there with any of the players because to see this kind of coach of real international pedigree take over Derbyshire right at the bottom of the of Division 2 just to see how it goes, how much impact can a high-quality coach have. And there was a really interesting interview that Nick Campion did in the latest Wisdom Cricket Monthly, where Mickey Arthur talks about his kind of first impressions of Derbyshire. He talks about working relentlessly on fitness um, and said when it comes to August and the rest of the counties are flagging, we're going to be hitting our peaks. Well, be interesting to see if, if that can happen, uh, whether that's even possible in county cricket. 
Uh, he also talks about the kind of dressing room environment. There's a, a nice quote where he says, I'm throwing a little hand grenade that maybe we have to create a little bit of angst because high performance environments thrive on everybody putting enough pressure on each other to do their jobs. That sentence isn't something you'd usually associate with Derbyshire, probably. Um, and, you know, in some ways that's to their credit. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a nice, well-run club, but hasn't had perhaps an edge. And it seems like maybe that's starting to, to pay off already. Um, they beat Leicestershire by an innings very comprehensively. Uh, a maiden first class hundred for Matty McKiernan. But the big story, obviously, is Shan Masood, their Pakistan overseas player, and all the things that Arthur is bringing. One is a seriously useful contacts book. So he's got uh, Lakmal in for two years, and he's got Masood in for, the, I think, the whole of the season across all formats. And he is going like an absolute train. So he became the first Derbyshire player to score back to back double tons. No Derby player in history has made as many runs in their first four knocks, which have included two double centuries and two fifties. Do you know what he's on specifically? Just so he's on 611, averaging 153. Strike rate of 74 as well, which is not what you associate with Masood. Actually, during the Middlesex game, um, journalist Adam Collins texted me and said, uh, Masood's going to score 2,000 runs this season. And Agolo has <laughs> he has got a lot of big claims. He'll do it but, today. <laughs> but... <laughs> He might be onto something here, and obviously we have to come to the thousand runs before the end of May, which is about this time of year. I think we touted a couple of people last year who fell away quite dramatically, but he has got three matches, so potentially six knocks to score what three hundred and eighty-nine runs. So it is how many? How many knocks? Sorry, how many knocks? Well, three games, so potentially six knocks. So it's it's very well on, isn't it? It's very much on. They play Glamorgan this week, then Worcester, then Knots to finish off the month. So. Definitely worth following that one. He's an interesting character, Masood. There's a really good interview that Taha did uh, with him on wisdom.com that's worth checking out, um, talking about Mickey Arthur as this kind of parent figure. I mean, that he, he messaged him straight away and said, I want you to come play for Derbyshire. And he's just like, absolutely, sure. And there will be other players around the world who have that relationship with Arthur who suddenly see Derbyshire as quite an appealing place to go, which, to be honest, wouldn't have been the, wouldn't have been the place before, uh, before his arrival. So look, they've they've got a they've got a very thin squad, and you look down that eleven, and it should not really be competing for a promotion this year. But you never know that is a that's a funny division. We've already seen what Glamorgan beat Knotts, and then, and then get thrashed. So you know the, the results yeah. are weird. So you know if you can get half a dozen wins then you'll be right in, right in the mix. So mm. definitely worth following that story, I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, no one's got to 1,000 before the end of May since Hick. Graham Hick in 1988. Yeah. Only eight players done it before. Brabham mm. twice, obviously. Greedy. The schedule helps more than it used to, I think. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Blimey, you wouldn't have um, played. What, what are we getting in before the end of May? Seven, so seven rounds. So most teams playing six, Jeez. I think. Yeah. Did you ever um, get close, yeah. Butch? No. <laughs> no. The last person to get close to shot till mid mid May. I read my my last maybe the last summer that I the sort of two thousand eight before my two thousand eight yeah. before my my before my knee went. I had a I had quite a good start. I got a double double here and hundred and fifty whatever. But I don't think I was anywhere near ramps. I I thought ramps might have done it actually. It felt like he made. <laughs> he just well, he made yeah, every time he batted, over <laughs> <laughs> twice yeah. in a whole season. Yeah. Nick Compton came very, very close about ten years ago. Rain stuffed him. Yeah, yeah. And he, I think he got there on June. He got the there first. The, the next yeah. day. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. There were, as, as Joe mentions, there were innings wins. Uh, also for Knotts, Worcester, 
and Middlesex in the Middlesex Glamorgan game, Shaheen and Labashain got each other out in all three innings, which is quite was fun. bowling seam. Uh, I think he was bowling leg spin in this game. He has been bowling yeah. a bit of seam though, yeah. right? He got, yeah, he got two wickets the week before bowling bowling seam. Um, but yeah, good win for, for Middlesex there. Uh, got a few questions on the county championship. Joel asks, for all its flaws, do we undersell the county championship? I can't think of any other major sporting league in this country which has zero presence on TV, either live or through highlights. Who wants to take that one? Well, I think there was a few points this made on, on Twitter. And hello, Joel did work experience with us a while ago. So, hi, Joel. Um, but there was a Cricket Australia piece promoting uh, Afridi versus Labashane and what, what like kind of a, a showdown that was in county cricket. And the point was made that the ECB aren't, aren't really doing that. And I think that is absolutely valid. Now, I think the ECB, you know... It, County cricket is a hard thing to promote. Four-day county cricket is a hard thing to promote. So I think there are some unrealistic expectations out there, but I do agree that much more could be done. Picking out these battles, there are some seriously good players playing at the moment. I think, think the, the clubs themselves have kind of got a, a duty. I know that I know that the, the, with the streaming and everything, you know, the, the way that the, the clubs sort of are getting into promoting themselves a little bit better on, on things like social media. But I think I think really the clubs have the the responsibility to do that themselves. I think that's true. I think some are better than others. Middlesex yeah. are having a press conference today presenting um, but what they can't, man of 3D. But what they can't do is, is have an, you know, what they don't have the power to do is an, as an overriding, um, you know, an overriding promotion of the game as a whole. And that, that does land in the ECB's lap. And, you know, and, and people have rightly sort of tagged in Sky Cricket. You know, why, why haven't you... Put together like a, a weekly roundup or whatever after Match the rounds. Of, yeah, I mean, yeah. and 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 you kind of th- I was sort of thinking about the logistics of that. I mean, you've got hundreds of hours of of those live streams, all of which would need to be packaged and put together, and that's it's very very labour intensive. Some of the footage is not great. Some's, yeah, sounds good. Very some's not, very labour yeah. intensive. I mean, the show it. You know, you could I suppose you have talking heads around a, a desk or whatever, and you can run in the odd clip of wickets or whatever, or pick out a bowler or two. Um, I, I know that the, um, the, the the resources are stretched in the cricket department as never before, perhaps. It's quite, so it might, you know, it, it could be done. It could be done. I think, again, the sort of the, the idea that that suddenly the, 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 the first class cricket, wherever it might be played in the world, I think it's here in England, it's always been better supported than pretty much anywhere else, you know, regardless of what people say. Nobody watches it in Australia. Nobody watches it in South Africa. It's kind of you know we have our own our own thing going here with county cricket and always have done. Um, and perhaps yeah, perhaps more could be done. It's 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 tricky though because it's 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 labour intensive and it's costly. You know? I think part of the frustration is that people appreciate that the ECB have a dedicated county championship social handle across all the social media platforms, not TikTok, interestingly, which is where all the kids are on. Um, but they don't do anything on the official England channels that have millions and millions of followers. So you've got Harris Ralph charging into bowl for Yorkshire. They're not charging they're not shouting about that on the channels that are going to be followed by people, more people basically. Mm. Um Yeah, because it's all very it's very polarised, isn't it? You've got you, you know, you'll have your Yorkshire fans or your Surrey fans or whatever it might be, but that's only going to reach a, a yeah, small exactly. percentage of and, the cricket and also public. On your point about resources, I mean these these counties don't have a huge amount of resource. They probably have one person in their media department who's doing all the clipping up of, of, of the action and the ECB, as we talked about earlier, probably do have those resources um, to employ a couple more people whose, whose job it would be to promote that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it also kind of promotes itself, right? Like when when Shaheen's bowling to Marlis Labashain, that creates a buzz that happens anyway 
on social media. It's not as if no one's talking about that. Just going back to what Butch said, it relates to a question actually that someone sent me maybe this morning. You know, should we consider the the county championship, the county championship, to be a more high profile and more kind of pedigree tournament compared to others? Well, it is. It is. It's the only one that you see a top end Australian come and play in. You never see an Australian play in the Ranji Trophy. You never see an Indian play in the Sheffield Shield. You never see an Englishman play in either of those two tournaments either. But you do still get Shaheen against Labuschagne. Now, that might be... In Div 2. In Div 2. That might be an extreme example, sure. Mm. But you do still get these appointment to view matchups. You do still get quality, not across the board, famously not across the board, but in, in large pockets. And it has its own identity in a way that arguably the others around the world don't. The others are more sort of functional to serve the purposes of the national side, whereas the county championship here at least has its own distinct identity and stands, albeit shakily, on its own two feet. Um, just a word on Lancashire's stream, by the way. Uh, so they now, they've taken it all to, to, to the next level. Middlesex were probably, well, Somerset and Middlesex were taking it to their own level last year. Well, now Lancs, they've got, Paul Allett in the studio at Old Trafford. They've got Bumble doing pitch reports. Um, and James Price, their comms fella, said that they had over 3 million views on the clips that they put out themselves as a club and over 300,000 views on the stream over the four days of their, their game just gone. So that is the model. Now, as you say, Lancashire have more money than lots of other counties that are non-test match counties, for sure. Uh, so there de- needs to be a degree of central funding if we if we want the, the overall product to be to be amplified. That's that's a big issue for sure. But they are showing the way, and I I would like to think that in four or five years' time that will be the accepted model, and that all counties will have yeah. a version of that. Yeah, I, I think the the basic answer to the question is yes. You would more could be made of it for sure. Absolutely. And, if there's and a there's massive no... sponsor out there that fancies getting <laughs> well, yeah. involved with wisdom, then yeah, we'll, we'll put one together. Yeah, absolutely. No I mean, that, but that's the thing. You'd, there's no, you know, there is absolutely no, um, no harm in in amplifying it, um, finding a way to do that that is that is cost effective because that's what it comes down to in, in every way possible. Well, I suppose that's is that is the uh, is, is is the big hurdle. Yeah. Mm. Um, we had an, another question in the championship from Andrew. He says, I've been seeing a lot of heated debate with regards to the county championship on Twitter and diehards refusing to give any inch claiming that by virtue of purely having good contests, it doesn't need to change or that the season and number of games shouldn't be reduced. My question is, surely the county championship cannot remain static forever if you never change and you get lost, ask Man United or Arsenal. Surely every county championship player at age 18 dreams of playing for England. So why don't counties try and facilitate this and nurture this? I know it's easier for certain counties with money, but I just think that there needs to be more synergy between international and domestic setup. And I don't get people who either want to scrap the championship completely or leave it alone as sacred. That's quite <laughs> interesting in the context of this week where uh, a number of players through the PCA have, have said they, they, All they, the want, they want, All they the want fewer county championship games. The, yeah. um, I, think, I think Sam Cook said that uh, it's it's just too hard for players and ground staff to to put on good cricket with the current volume of cricket that's being played. I, that's all. I think that's always been the case. I think the players have always felt that that in order in order to give the best of themselves, you know, it's it's a few years since it's been sixteen county games a season. But you know, when I started, it was seventeen. In fact, when I started, it was twenty three. <laughs> they were three mixture of three day matches and four day matches. It was crazy. So I think it's always been the case that the players have recognised that 
that in order to give them the best of themselves and to make the games really mean something every time they go out there and play, that playing as many as we do is, is, is not viable. The thing that's changed and perhaps really brought that into focus is that is now the fact that you've got, you've got a fourth, fourth competition in and that nothing, nothing is given really. You know, no, there's been nothing taken away. You just keep, keep adding things without taking anything away. Um, the, the members, you know, members. I think it's up to sixteen thousand members here at the Oval now. There's over over ten, eleven, twelve thousand at Langs. The, the, the memberships are going up around the country. Members are going to be very upset about the idea that, they, that they're not going to have as many days county cricket to dip in and out of over the course of the summer. Over the course of summer. But one thing I would say was I, I, I asked, I bumped into a couple of the Surrey committee members during the course of this week. And said, so "What are the what are the members paying nowadays? What's the what's it cost to be a member of Surrey County Creek Club?" And he went, <sighs> I said, "Well, come on, how much? Two hundred and twenty quid." He said, "I was like, two hundred and twenty quid." <laughs> well, I mean, what value is that? It's extraordinary. So, which is not to you know, it's not. I'm not decrying um, the, the members and, and the membership and what they and what they bring. But all I'm saying is the value that you get for 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 a rel- very very small outlay really is extraordinary. Um, and what so you know, if if the players are saying, you know, always be slightly wary of of employees wanting to do less work. I admit that. But if the, if the players kind of all agree that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be terrible in order to, to come down to, to 10 matches, I would say 12 because of the weather and various other things, but 10, however you want to work it out. I, I don't think it would be the end of the world. I really don't. Um, and it would make it, funnily enough, it would make doing things like the, the streaming and, and, and really sort of advertising the matchups and all these kinds a damn sight easier and make the whole, th- you know, eventually, once people got over the, the, the shock and the horror of it all, would actually make um, bringing the, uh, the, the 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 sort of the, the championship into national consciousness Indeed. much the, the, easier. The, the product becomes more tantalising, more persuasive, more interesting, and touch on pitches without want to go down that rabbit hole again. But undoubtedly, the longer that you longer run that you have as a groundsman to produce a good track, the better chance you're going to have at doing it. And in terms of those members that you mentioned, Butch, as well, they might have fewer games to watch. But if those games are more in the heart of the summer then that's a that's a payoff that I think a lot of members would be very happy to and you to, get that you get that situation don't you where whereby if 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 there are so many days you can kind of go well I'm not going to bother going that it becomes an appointment then doesn't it you kind of like well I don't I'm not going to miss that I have to be there for this one da, da, da. you know with with all kinds of change there's going to be a, there's there's pain that comes along with it and there are things that people don't want want to to disappear However, I just think that, that it's naturally it's going to go that way, and there isn't a great deal that can be done about it. Um, and if and if we don't and if you don't if you don't somehow try to make the whole thing more attractive in in every way possible, i.e., in terms of producing better players, in terms of making the product more watchable, more easier to follow, um, then it will get run over by by other things that are more interesting and more easy to follow, and more more high profile and more glamorous, if you like. Last week, I spoke to Ben Compton, who's the leading run scoring division one at the moment. He's had an amazing start to the season. He's kind of come from nowhere. He only played a handful of county championship matches before the start of the season. And now he's already got five first class hundreds in 2022. Here's that chat with Ben. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you look at the number of runs you scored, you were the second leading run scorer in the second 11 championship in 2019. You're the leading run scorer in 2021. Has it just been quite frustrating that it's taken you three years, I guess, to get a proper first? Yeah. Um, well, that's the, that's the challenging thing. You know, I think um, just the foundations and the building blocks weren't quite stacking up right for me, I think. Um, you know, whether it be... Uh, in terms of opportunities, obviously, um, perhaps unluckily on a very personal perspective, you know, not signed Hassanid in the back end of 2019. And I think that was um, always going to be tricky for me to break in and, and, and get that run of games, you know, which I think most players will tell you is an important part of trying to get the best out of someone. Um, so, you know, the, the opportunities I did get, I was sort of, um, to my own detriment, it's my own fault, I guess, but um, I was very, very focused on trying to make an impact in one game, you know, and uh, you can get it a bit too wound up or whatever, you know, and, and I think what's worked is just for the best thing to get the best out of someone is just, you know, just to relax and, and try and treat it as another game of cricket, you know? Um, so I found opportunities hard to come by, but as you say, I, I did well in second 11 crickets. Mm. Um, and then looking back before 2019, you're obviously 28 now, you, you were still 25 in 2019. So what, what's your story leading up to that? Because uh, that, that is still a, a, a relatively late entry into county cricket. Yeah, it was very tough. Um, one of the major challenges for me is obviously I, I grew up in South Africa and, and wanted to come over to England and um, to try and follow in, I guess, my cousin's footsteps. And then, you know, obviously Dennis had his own thing going on. Um, but I wanted to try and forge a career for myself over here. And um, it was tough going. I, I, I sort of found myself on the outside of the system. You know, I, I came over and wanted to try and impress by scoring a lot of runs in club cricket and hoping to progress through that manner. But it didn't really happen. It was slow going. It, it, I don't think my experience was that club cricket wasn't necessarily a feeder for county cricket anymore. Um, so I found it difficult to really earn an opportunity to play. And, um, you know, that's why there was a, a game there, a game here, not necessarily doing badly either. In the games I played, I think I got 100 in one of them. But just through the nature of things, there wasn't any future or progression from there. So um, it would have been back end of 2018 and uh, 2019 where I trialled with Kent. I actually joined their bowlers on a pre-season tour to um, Stellenbosch. So I, I would bat against their bowlers and... Um, through that, I kind of found a way of um, getting a chance to play in their second team in the early part of 2019. And uh, through that, I 
played and did well. Um, and then I, and then joined. Um, I think the way Kent was uh, their lineup at the moment, they had quite a few batters. I think Heino Kuhn was still here, um, a couple of other cricketers. So um, the opportunity actually came from Nottingham um, in the back end of 2019. Um, so yeah, it was a late entry. It was tough. Um, I did study in between that period. Uh, thankfully, I got a degree in politics. Uh, I made, you know, try to, you know, have that backup, have that balance to my life. Um, you know, obviously trying to procure a career in cricket, but obviously having that that um, balance on the side of getting a degree. Were there points um, up until then where you thought that professional cricket might not happen? Were you absolutely were you, yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely, there's definitely a lot of sleepless nights, and um, mainly through mainly through um, frustration, through lack of of uh, opportunity to play. I guess you know, I, I was really driven and really hungry, and I, I am really driven and really hungry to try and play. You know, and um, I, I would find that probably one of the more frustrating things. You know, if that classic question, if you had your time again, what would you do differently? I'd probably like to finish school here. You know, because then I'd like to think I would have maybe got into a, a under 17 Middlesex, whatever, and then progress or, you know, Kent under 15s, under 17s, 19s, et cetera, et cetera, and try and come through that way. Um, but, you know, that that would probably, who knows, you know, that that period of life might have, I might have learned different things and resilience and something along those lines, you know? Yeah. Well, if cricket never happened, what, what do you think you'd have ended up doing in, in your late 20s? Uh, got a few ideas. Um, I wouldn't say I'm nailed on one of them. I, I like the idea of um, psychology, something along those lines, you know? I like the idea of helping people. I like the idea of uh, interacting with people, um, you know, and, and, and dealing with people, you know? I wouldn't say, I'd, you know, one-on-one would be something I quite enjoy. Um, that would be at the top of my head. Yeah, I'd probably look to move into that. Your your cousin's Nick Compton is that he tweeted um, something when you when you got hundred the other day. Are you have you spoken to him quite a lot over the last two three years? Yeah, Nick and I are quite close. Um, he's been extremely helpful for me um, for a number of years now, just quietly and trying to learn from him. I think at the peak of his powers, he was a very very good player you know and he obviously had a very successful county career um and just really knows batting you know the intricacies of batting and i try to take certain things from that to try and learn and still you know uh, only getting started really but um still trying to learn and and um but yeah he's been very helpful and supportive um so that's that's been nice to have him him in my corner in a recent Wisden Readers survey, you told us that signed memorabilia was the top priority addition for the Wisden shop. We listened and have since sourced an extremely rare range of pieces featuring signatures from the likes of Sachin Tendulkar, Virat Kohli, MS Dhoni, Ben Stokes, Josh Butler, Shane Warne and Brian Lara. Each piece comes with a hologram certificate of authenticity and is exclusive to the Wisden shop with global shipping available. Whether you're looking for a unique collector's item or the ultimate gift, this is a rare opportunity to own something truly special. 
The IPL, Josh Butler has continued his freakish run of form. He's the top scorer in the competition by miles, having scored his third hundred in this year's tournament. Four of the last seven IPL tons have been hit by Butler. His Rajasthan Royals team are top of the league at the time of recording. They've got a very well-rounded attack. Um, they've got Bolt and Krishna with a new ball, Chahal and Ashwin in the middle overs. What's struck me in the last week watching quite a few of the games is how many relatively unknown bowlers there are who bowl 85 miles per hour. Obviously, Umran Malik, Malik has come from nowhere. He's taken up the headlines. But yesterday, there was a guy, Kuldeep Sen, who's playing one of his first IPL games. He was bowling almost 90 miles per hour at times and really hurrying very good players. I wanted to talk very briefly about Kohli. Uh, he scored two golden ducks in a row this week before uh, scoring a torturous... 10 ball nine where he could have been out at least four times in those 10 balls and I know we've talked a lot about Coley and his lack of hundreds recently but there have been times where he's not got the big scores but has looked quite good now he's looking really bad in a way that I didn't think was possible but how does that happen to a player so good I, I think he needs it I think he could do with a couple of months off I that's think what that, Ravi Shastri said wasn't it last mm, week pretty much it Said, if I think there's ever a player it. out there that needs a breather, unless they're going to be fried in the brain, you've yeah. got six or seven years left at the top potentially, but yeah. can't lose him now. I think that's it. I, that really, I mean, you think back to um, taking over the Test match captaincy, leading them to the, the top of the world, being captain of, of RCB, some of those incredible seasons that he had, sort of, you know, dragging that him and AB de Villiers dragging that sort of team through to to finals in IPLs. Um, you know, as much as we talk about schedules for England players, for India, it's utterly brutal. Um, you know. It never stops. It never stops. And and the pressure there is is tenfold to what any, anything that any England player will ever experience. And so it just, he could do his six months calling his jets, really. How do you see it, Joe? Well, I'd say it's kind of speculatively. If he takes that long a break... Would he not be slightly concerned that he wouldn't get back in the side? Now I know that sounds ridiculous based on his on his record, but it does feel like we're getting to that point with the number of young yeah. batters they've got coming through. I don't know if he is even allowed to set out an IPL. That feels like it would be a sort of earth shattering yeah, moment. It probably in, in wouldn't Indian be allowed cricket. to do. It. Well, no, I, but I, I don't. I think that that's the sort of challenge that a, player, a great player like him would would relish. You know, yeah. if you want to light the fire back up underneath somebody, tell him he's not going to tell him he's not good enough to get back in the side again. But you know, again, and then, and then and then watch how many runs he makes. Yeah, but I think he just he's just he's done. He's yeah. absolutely done and needs to walk away for a little yeah. while. Yeah, and and undoubtedly that yeah, that's the logical call. But try and you know sit in our armchairs and be sort of cod psychologists for a minute and imagine what it's like to be to be the greatest player in the world, the the biggest icon in the world in the cricketing world, and not being able to score a run. And then people start talking about you. To large audiences saying, "Well, he's you know he's got to walk away, or he's or he's fried." If you are that bloke, and I'm sitting very comfortably in my armchair here, but if you are that bloke, wouldn't you kind of think, "Well, sod you, right? I'm I'm going to go out tomorrow and prove to you that what you're talking about is is ill-informed nonsense, and I am still the I am still the greatest." Is it not that kind of tunnel vision that gets somebody to that position in the first place, and to redirect that 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 kind of laser focus that's been so marked in his career up to now to redirect that that's that's one hell of a challenge yeah it, it is but I, don't, but I don't think you know i think there's there, there are precedents there in, in indian cricket with, with somebody like sachin and now now 
Sachin Tendulkar never never played as much cricket or as much non-stop cricket as as, as Virat Kohli has done. Never. India went 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 long periods of time where they didn't play any Test matches or whatever it might have been. Yeah, they played hundreds of fifty-over games and all the rest of it. But it's it just isn't the same. Um. So. <sighs> I think at some point, somebody, either either himself or somebody very close to him, just say, look, it's not going to do you any harm whatsoever just to just to put the put the whole thing down for for a couple of months and come and come back with you know he's lost the captaincy recently, he's become a father again. All the, all of these things kind of add up in terms of Indeed. in terms and, of and, mental and we, and we can see all of that from a distance. But if you just take, I don't know, like a Ronaldo type case, you know, if Ronaldo's having a stinker for a month and he can't hit a barn door. Who goes to Ronaldo and taps him on the shoulder and says, you know what, just take a few weeks off. If you are Ronaldo, you're going to go, excuse me. You Sorry, know, I'm, Scott I'm playing McCormick. tomorrow morning. And if I'm not, then, you know, you're out the job, let alone yeah. me. There's also, and, and Cody, he might not be capped anymore, but there's no way he's going to miss the test here this summer, which will crown his his achievement in a, mm. in a way. I mean, he was when the he's just in the ranks. It's yeah, crazy. It's, it's, a, I mean, it's going to be a really there. odd match yeah. overall that with so <laughs> much, so much has changed and it's meant to be part of the same series. I it's just, it's going to be a very odd thing to promote, but um, I mean, yeah, he will be here this summer, whether he should be or not, whether it'd be better for him to take a break is, you know, is a moot point, but there's no way he's not going to be here this summer, injury permitting. I guess it's just quite strange for a sports person to go that long in their career without having a significant slump. Like you hear it a lot with, really good county players who come through uh, they've dominated age group cricket they get in at 18 and then really struggle over a couple of years where they work things out and then come back in and all, everything's it's all fine. part of the fun of English Whereas, cricket with Coney's just like yeah I know he had a difficult series in England in 2014 but like, really he was, he aside meant, from that he was meant to be the, the one who was unbreakable and, yeah. and his story has shown that no one is unbreakable in cricket. There's just too much, there's too much of it. Cricket destroys everybody. Yeah. 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 No, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, my moment of the week, by the way, is the this belter of an interview by Ali Martin, the Garden with oh, Ravi so Zastri. There are just so many great lines uh, with, with quite a few swears. So if that's not your thing, avert your ears. Uh, this was him on getting the India coaching job for the first time. I had no warning. I was commentating the Oval during India's 2014 tour of England and came off air to find six or seven missed calls. Seven bloody calls? What's happening here? The BCCI just said, we want you to take over starting tomorrow at any cost. I'd, at any cost. <laughs> I, told them, I told them I'd have to speak to my family and commercial partners, but they just said they would so, sort all of that. And like that, I was straight in from the commentary box. You'll see that when I joined the setup during the ODIs, I was still in jeans and loafers. If you go on Getty and search Ravi Sastry 2014, this is true. He, <laughs> he is in India training kit up top, but wearing jeans and loafers uh, below He's the waist. Uh, on getting the coaching job without having done much of it before. And I didn't have any coaching badges either. Level one, level two, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> In a country like India, there's always jealousy or a gang of people willing you to fail. On winning in Australia, it was about attitude, especially when playing the Aussies. And I told the boys, if one single fuck you comes your way, give them three back. Two in our language, one in theirs. Just absolutely astonishing. I mean, Ali stitched it together very nicely, but I was sort of jealous reading it because it's one of those interviews. You're like, oh, that's just so good. Basically, just run the quotes. (laughs) You don't need to add anything to it. He said it all. It's, yeah. Um, one of a kind and po- buried in there he's going to be um, commentating on the 100 this oh, summer really? fantastic yeah that's yeah, fantastic. So that, that, that should be fun um, yeah just he is 
one of a kind. What, what's he? What's he like? You he's, must have worked. He's with fabulous. Him. He is absolutely fabulous. I think that the first time I sort of spent any any time, he he was a teammate of my old man's at Glamorgan back in the day, so I kind of known him and of him forever. But I remember working with him on on the verdict with with Charles and Bob. It was I think it might have been that 2014 series. Um, it was just some of the some of the best sort of. 45 minutes of my television career was just hilarious <laughs> watching him and Bob go at it and then you kind of like throw in a little little bomb and he comes up flying at you and the, the voice is booming and everything he's absolutely brilliant um, I'd made one one tr- tremendous mistake actually working on the one of the IPLs that I, that, that I did I can't remember if it was the first probably the first one it would have been the first one because I wouldn't have done it again um, <laughs> And, I, and we kind of, Ravi would come over in, in between doing his, his stuff for the BCCI for the World Feed and whatever. He'd come over to the little, you know, camera point, me and Ben Wilkins, um, sweating our um, uh, nadges off down on the, on the side of the boundary. He'd come over and give us five minutes back to the studio. And, um, and I think I, I might have stood there. I saw him coming over the, out of the corner of my eye. And, I, and as he got into earshot, which has to be damn close, because it was bloody loud, I did a, a Ravi impersonation. And, Welcome to you back in the studio like this. And he came, he just stared at me and gave me absolutely, didn't say a damn thing. And I was kind of like, okay, thanks, Rav. See you soon. <laughs> Don't take the mickey out of the, out of the great man, that is for sure. Was that on air? That was on air, yeah. Oh, yeah I wonder if, if, if a clip of that still exists. Yeah, he's still some... got a career in I that, did, to be honest. I, know, okay. I don't know what I was doing, but it was all good. It was all good. That is a challenge for our listeners to find that clip <laughs> for our next week's show. Some other news this week. Kieran Pollard has announced his retirement from international cricket at the age of 34 after 224 games across formats for the West Indies. Um, Joe, you, you spoke to him not that long ago and he, and he sounded like he was <laughs> doing it slightly longer. Yeah, that was in the lead up to the T20 World Cup. And he, he yeah, he, he was seemingly relishing that role and, and enjoying putting his stamp on West Indies cricket. I don't think the captaincy was anything he'd particularly courted. Not dissimilar to the kind of Ben Stokes scenario, just got it by kind of sheer strength of personality, I think, and the fact that everyone else had done it. Um, but yeah, he felt, it seemed like he was in it for long haul. The, the T20 World Cup obviously did not go well at all for West Indies. They were really kind of very disappointing. But they did have that kind of stirring win against England recently. And I, you know, I'm not, he's what, 34? Not hugely shocked that he wants to leave the international game around this point, but I'd have thought he'd have stuck around for the T20 World Cup later this year. So I haven't heard any suggestions that there's politics involved, which often is the case in West Indies cricket. Seems like he maybe just had enough and wants to stick with the kind of T20 league circuit. But it's a shame for the World Cup. Um, He's perhaps, he's faded a little bit from the force he was two or three years ago, but he's still one hell of a player and a a big loss to a big tournament. He's struggling at the moment. Um, I mean, everyone is playing for Mumbai. Uh, Not from eight, I think it is. Mm, Played eight, lost eight. Yeah. Uh, And I saw him struggle to get nowhere near the line, really. I think it was 19 from 20 balls in a a run chase against Gujarat the other day. and, And he sort of encapsulated how forlorn that whole franchise looks. Now, I know that they've taken a bit of a punt on Jofra, who's obviously not available for this tournament. So maybe this is a... The future proofing rather than focusing on this one, if you like, but still pretty painful to watch, right? And, and a lot of pedigree players, great players are, you know, stinking the place out really at the minute. Uh, and, and Pollard is one of them. Um, and when it doesn't work for you and he has that way about him, you know, block, block, six, block, block, six, six, but that you're not, when you're not landing those sixes, then it can look awkward to say the least. And, and it just seemed like that was just summing up how, 
how much they are struggling at the moment. You know, they are currently on course to be to to break all records for the wrong reasons for this mm. year. That West Indies side in the T Twenty World Cup last year was really old, and they did well against West Indies well, against England rather early this year with a very different side. So I guess the challenge as captain is very different. It almost feels like a fresh start, and maybe he just didn't really want to continue. Well, he, well, he, was, a, he was very much a father figure in that in in that t- not you know not literally, but <laughs> obvious <laughs> clearly. Um, <laughs> but not keep that but, in. Um, <laughs> What, Long are, night. what are you talking about? <laughs> but, that, but but you know the, the, the likes of Robin Powell and o, Odin Smith, etc. Mm. You kind of you, you kind of look at those guys and think, well, does does Kyron Pollard's presence in the particularly in the batting lineup does he kind of get in the way of, of of that type of striking power which they have right the way down the list? You know, even Akil Hussain, the, the the left arm spinner, can can bang them. So maybe he just looks at it and thought, you know what, I'm I'm creaking here, and and the West Indies have got. I've got some youngsters who can, who perhaps can take care of themselves better now than they might have done six months ago, and it's time for me to stand aside and let them, let them get on with it. There's a great moment in that series when, after one of the West Indies wins, you asked him a question in the post-match press he, conference. He, he starts singing yeah. at you. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. You'll find that one easier than the rabbit. <laughs> Finally, we have a question from Cricket Nosh, who asks, which cricket ground in the world has the best food? Um, it's a Twitter account. Dedicated to cricket to, to cricket and Osh. I, I think they're looking for a definitive answer Super. here. Um, but as a as a player, was it was it just Lords? Edgbaston's good. Yeah, Lord. Well, Edgbaston wasn't that good. He's now back in the day. No, he probably it might hack, be now. He's unbelievable. So, Lord, I mean, Lord. Yeah, Lord. The, the standard is set by Lord. Adelaide Oval was always very good. Had this this incredible chicken. Um, with with some kind of dip yeah. that was absolutely magnificent. You get sushi there and everything as well. In, so the, that in always, the sort of marquee tent. Yeah, outside, that, it always yeah. it always stood out uh, there. Um, anywhere else? The Oval was always pretty good during during county games and stuff like that. The Oval gives you a full English just to get you ready in for the your morning. Lunch. Yeah, yeah, in the morning. You get, so you got the full works ready from. Obviously, you I barely make it through a day eight, though. You need a nap in the first session. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you don't have to. You're just watching cricket. It's easy. Yeah, and then you just write some nonsense at the end of it. It's, it's dead no, easy. Ad- Ad- but Lords, I mean, Lords is obvious, but Adelaide Oval, I'd, I'd have a, a special mention. That was going to be Oval. one of my one of my two of both overseas. Adelaide Oval, the spreads they put. On. I remember a lunch. I think it was on day one, and it was oysters and white wine. Uh, and just this amazing seafood and stuff. Wine at lunch. Yeah, yeah, and because I think it was the the host was a wine company, okay. one of the local vineyards, I and you just Jeff like Merrill or someone. Yeah, I don't think many people made it back for the first ball of the second <laughs> session, and, and the other one was India, and I think I'm trying to get, I think it was Chennai. You know, I, Indian food's just the best for me anyway. But the the spreads you get at Indian match because it's not just your dish; it's mm. 15 different dishes, and this one was spectacular. But I remember Derek Pringle was suffering quite badly with food poisoning. <laughs> Gone down in legend, that one. <laughs> and was kind of almost in tears that he couldn't enjoy the spread that was laid out in front of him because I, 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 he was I, still I, suffering from the previous day. I, I did, I, look, I, I'm not telling tales out of school here. I did an India tour 2012. Pring, Pring was on it. Great geezer, great bloke. He was on it for the Telegraph. Didn't see him for the whole game. Um, Mumbai. It wasn't for lack of trying. He just couldn't, couldn't get out of his hotel room. <laughs> Um, I think Chelmsford you're lucky if you get a bag of crisps I think I can say that I'll probably never be allowed back in there ever again but uh, Headingley has a poorish reputation but I've never personally had an issue with, with the food up there yeah 
but that doesn't go down but great. What, what you said at the start, Edge Baston for the yeah. press is just another level. Mm. Um, yeah. Like a, a biryani or, this is it. You or a roast. Range, or, don't yeah. You? yeah. Yeah. Um, End up with a very it, weird plate of food. Yes. Kind of yes. four completely different things. But you're but satisfied at 140. That's the most important thing. My problem with um, laws, it, show, it shows off a bit too much. Mm. You also, know, there's polyvons and I don't want you, soup. meringues I don't and want stuff soup. like that. You know, come on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a cricket game. Um, I think people are probably getting really annoyed that oh, you've, we got could go journa- you've got journalists complaining about the food that they're getting for free whilst watching cricket for free. This is exactly the problem of cricket. Yeah. <laughs> one of. Of all of the problems. Yeah. yeah. This is it. I think we should finish there. Cheers, guys. <laughs> this has been the Wizarding Cricket Weekly Podcast. Thanks for listening. and We'll be back next week. Podcast Network.